The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofa. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and guest Charlie Clawson. Our first time guest Charlie Clawson, very excited. Eddie Perfect is here. Hello, Eddie. Hello, Will Anderson. We're in LA. Yeah, we are in LA. We're very, very LA right now. <laughs> so LA. I know. I love it. You've only been here for a couple of days though, but you've been here before, right? Yeah, I've been here for 24 hours before. So this is the first oh, okay. time spending multiple days. Right. So you haven't really been here that much before. No. And, uh, and um, I've been experiencing that self-consciousness about how Australian... I sound, you know. Do you Aussie up more when you're overseas? Because well, I is- don't know. I feel like I say, I, I, I actually do say g'day to people when yeah. I see them in Australia. Uh-huh. But here, I feel like I'm impersonating Crocodile Dundee. So, yep. I, I, you know, g'day, mate. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, I sound like a bogan. Oh, no, I gave into it early because I realized, I, you know, I didn't realize it till I came to America. But mm. the two that get Americans are the way that I start an email and finish an email, which is g'day, mate. Is how I start an email, <laughs> and I finish it with cheers. Cheers. But I've always done that, and yeah. people think that is hilarious. They're like, "Oh, they do say that." I know they do say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to get real. out a knife. It's Tell real. me this is not a knife. <laughs> no, Come on. No, no, that's not a knife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's really, it's kind of good. It's good to um. It's good to be in a place where, like, in in Europe, Australian accents sound fucked. Like they're oh, just, terrible. People just like like seagulls, and like that people find them repulsive. Yeah, they hate Australian accents. Yeah, and in London, no one can understand my Australian accent. So when I say, um, I say, "What's your name?" and I say, "I'm Eddie," and they're like, "What?" and I have to repeat Eddie a million times, and then they're like, "Oh, Eddie, Eddie," and I'm like, "Isn't that exactly what I just what said?" I just said? Yeah, it's weird. That, uh, you, you know what? There are some uh, names over here that, like, oh, because for example, my dad's uh, name Graham, Graham uh, is it's not, a great name. Is not how they, they they say Graham here, like Graham, like a Graham. I know. They just they need to honour consonants more. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things, of all the things you're not yeah. doing well, America. Yeah, that's the you, one we're focusing really on. Really, don't honour your consonants. Um, so, uh, so did you, have you done anything exciting since you've been in LA? Have you? What have, what's your LA experience been so far? Well, I've been staying with um, Tim and Sarah Minchin and mm-hmm. their two kids up in Los Feliz, uh-huh. and um, that's up near the Hollywood sign. Yeah, so that's it's a cool part of town too. It's a nice part of town. Lots of birds, and um, I went to. I just uh, Tim was hosting. I enjoyed that. That's how you define a nice part of town. Lots of birds. Yeah, that is. That's it basically is. it. Yeah, if there are birds, you know things are going okay. I got swooped by a bird in San Francisco this week. Do you know what flavor of bird it was? It was. It was. Uh, I, you know what I just did? This is how politically correct I am. Like I honestly paused in telling you it was a blackbird, <laughs> like because like it was like it was a blackbird. But I was like, oh my god! Like, really- am I implying that? The, yeah. the, the black birds are the ones that are most likely to commit crimes. Oh my god, <laughs> this is like 
What have I said? What have I said? Yet another example of white privilege. Yeah, was it a black bird or was it a brown bird? That's right. The it certainly wasn't a brown bird. No, it was a black bird. Right. It was. Um, it was like it was. It wasn't big enough to be a crow. But it was like, I guess, like, you know, like a smaller crow. Like yeah. A, yeah. So <laughs> a tiny crow. A tiny crow. Tiny crow. Yeah. Yeah. I went to this Heath Ledger um, Memorial Scholarship, which is for young actors, young Australian actors, actors yeah. in Hollywood. And there's a, now a company called um, uh, Australians in Hollywood. They're like, they run screenings and workshops all year round. And it's like a drop in centre for Aussies. Oh, Australians so, in film. Yeah. Yep. Australians in film. Yep. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there's about, you know, 50 actors, like young Australian actors, and I don't know most of them, but then there's a few I do know. Like, right. so I bumped into Axel Whitehead. You remember him? Yeah. Got his cock out. Got his cock out. Oh, I was gonna, that was the first thing I was going to yeah. go with, and I was trying in my head to go, I'm sure he's done other stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, he got his yeah. cock out at the uh, Arias. He got his cock out of the Arias. He got yeah. the from the Arias, and everyone was really – But And I, it wasn't – like, I mean – and Very rock from and roll memory, I mean, it is very rock and roll. I would suggest if you are going to get your cock out, if you're going to rock out with – uh, your cock out at a rock uh, music night, um, then get your cock ready to be out. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> Do problem. A bit of prep. Yeah. So maybe it was like he got a little stage. He, he got a little stage fright. Oh god! And there's yeah. so many lights, like lights and cameras, all that attention on you. Yeah. I mean, I just want to flash someone in the corner just to warm up. Oh man! I, I graduate. To I, the stage. I, I think I'd have to go out on stage hard. And just thinking like the whatever, you know what I mean? Like in that walk out and the time yeah. I talked, it would get into like a good amount of, yeah. you know, to get it out you in public. You need to have a wank and come and then be on the way down because you, you, that's when your cock looks best. Right. Okay. Yeah. So actually you'd have to be side stage, timing it, side stage. 30 seconds, yes. 30 seconds right. back from the ad break. You can do this. You're you on in 30, this. Mr. Whitehead. <laughs> you can do that. You got this, Axel. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you have to do it that's how you have to do it and if you're not prepared to commit then you don't deserve yeah. the results and obviously well yeah. I mean it didn't go well for Axel but he's over here now he's over here now <laughs> in. applying that same shitty yeah. work ethic to being a Hollywood actor um, no he's uh, he's got, I knew him from the Melbourne jazz scene because he was a jazz singer first. Right, he was on Home and Away. He came in uh, through one of the TV reality shows right like Idol or something didn't yeah. he yeah Idol yeah yeah yeah. so it kind of went you know live music Idol, um, Home and Away. Cock out. Cock out. <laughs> LA. <laughs> That's the progression. Well, Charlie, who used to do this podcast, is on Home and Away uh, wow. at the moment, so I can't wait for him to get his yeah. cock out at whatever. No, no, that's coming. That's the yeah. next stage. Next step. Uh, <laughs> so was, I saw him. I saw Dan McPherson, you know. Oh, see, I, I was l- trying to explain. Mac, I like Dan McPherson. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He's a good cat. You know, he's had a weird um, trajectory as well, you know. Like he was on the movies on the bill. He was on the UK, the he's bill, the UK, like the, the bill. most popular like UK series of and all time. And my parents were like, fuck, he's made it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because they oh, were yeah. really into the bill. There's a certain demo that getting yeah. on the bill is as good oh, as it the, gets. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great scripts, great performances. <laughs> it's my parents. <laughs> Glued to the set on a Saturday night. It's tragic. But yeah, he's he's in town. and um, He's a triathlete as well. He's a very fit dude, yeah, Daniel McPherson. I don't know that. Yeah, he's very fit. Lives around here somewhere, I think. I, I, I run into DMAC as I go down the street here occasionally. He's always at a health food shop on the corner right. that I always walk by and never into. You wouldn't know. He could live miles away, but he was just happened to be running by. Probably. <laughs> Probably always running. He covers a I lot imagine of ground. He's, he's, always, he's always either come from a jog or he's on his way to he's, a jog. Yeah, he's thinking about the next jog. Obviously, often he's at that party in between legs of triathlons. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just on the swim, yeah. pops in for a yeah. champagne, watches a bit of the movie, yeah. off onto a bike. <laughs> bike leg. 
Yeah, just off his bike on for a run. Yeah. I like that idea. You can almost pitch that as an idea, like fancy, like uh, triathlons, where like you know, for the leg where you get the drinks, it's maybe it's like you know, it's it's proper drinks and it's canapes, and, yeah. yeah, it's cocktail. It's like a progressive dinner slash yeah. triathlon. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be tough for the leg where you have to eat and then go for a yeah. swim because everyone's going to have to eight course degustation menu right. <laughs> <laughs> and then swim. How do you feel about a degustation menu? By the way, are you a degustation fan? I do like digger station because I generally don't like making decisions. Oh yeah, right. You know, so I just go whatever, you know, whatever. But I'm kind of I'm um, vegetarian at the moment. Well, I eat fish, but when you say vegetarian at the moment, what does that mean? Oh, it's, I've only just it's only been like the last twelve months. Is it your first go at it, or if you no, had other no, guys? I used to be like really hardcore vegetarian. Yeah, I, I thought so. For ages, and then um, we've just gone back to because we've got kids and we can't really justify we can't lie to our, our kids the way we lie to ourselves basically is what the problem really yeah. i thought that's what parenting was all about <laughs> i thought that was like all you do <laughs> what you do is you, extern- <laughs> you externalize your own bullshit and then right. you get to and then you're placing it on these innocent ears and you go yeah you can't really you, you can't really go to a petting zoo and pat a lamb and then have a lamb roast yeah with right. kids because no. They go, but isn't weren't we just patting that this morning and yeah. weren't we just saying how cute it was? And then you're like, yeah, that's really fucking weird. But that's what you do because like, in your mind as an adult you can disconnect and you can right. just go, that's that's uh, an object of pleasure and this is an object of food. How long were you vegetarian before you – hardcore vegetarian before you went back to meat? Uh, five years. And uh, can you remember – because this is interesting to me because I've been vegetarian now for – well, I can't even remember how long, but it's got to be like well over a decade. It's probably 12 or 13 years since yeah, I right. last – you know, I, I'd done it a few times before that, but like, you know, since I've been pretty hardcore about it, it's like been a, quite a long time now. And like do you eat no, no fish, no seafood? No fish, no seafood, nothing. Right. Like I, I'm no not, not vegan though. Yeah, right. Yeah. Eggs and stuff. Squeeze and not a stabber. That's my rule. I don't want to stab it to eat it, but yeah. if I can squeeze it and delicious comes out, that's my line. <laughs> right. There is a big difference between squeezing and stabbing. Right. Uh, well, this is the thing that I always say to people is like if I was filled with delicious shit and someone came up to me and said, you're filled with the most delicious shit in the world, um, we have to get it out of you. And they're like, we're going to stab you. I'd be like, I am anti that. Yeah. And But if they say we're going to squeeze you and delicious will come out of you, I would be like, you know what? I'm fine with that. I've just got a really strong mental image of you being milked. Yeah, by me like too. a big machine, you know, those big metal things. <laughs> oh, no. And I you're wanna... like, I know it's all delicious, so it's all good. Right. Now, I want to be on a little sort of, you know, organic sort of farm. I don't want to be in some big factory, like yeah. on machines. I want like... A farmer with a passion. Yeah, a farmer with a passion every morning to come out with a little stool and milk me, you know what yeah. I mean? And he'll even, he'll even warm his hands up. Exactly. In front of the fire. Because he cares. He'll give me a old, name, not a number. Old Willie, the... Dairy cow doesn't like it when I have cold hands. Right. I'm going to play some classical music. Right. Because that really gets the deliciousness flowing. It yeah. Be, you're talking about total Portland, Oregon, organic. Yeah, that's exactly. Fun. Yeah, that's yeah. right. In fact, that's what I'm doing in my career. I'm moving to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be I'm milked. Getting milked. You know what? You could do that in Portland. That is definitely. <laughs> if I opened up a shop where people could milk me and then make my milk into <laughs> products, that is a total Portland business. That's an eight-part ABC TV series. Like right. Milked in Portland. Right. Have you been One, to Portland? I haven't, but I got dropped off by my friend Justine, who is the creative director of Wyden and Kennedy, one of the largest advertising agencies in the world, hmm. which is in Portland, Oregon. And um, so, yeah, that's her home. We've just been talking about um, Portland because all I know about Portland really is Portlandia. Yeah. Well, you know um, uh, what you need to know about Portlandia and Portland? They're exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it is 
Honestly, mate, it is the best place I've ever been in my life. I went and did the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland like wow. about a month ago. Do people have those earrings with the hoops and the oh, holes in there? Yeah, they have that. But I'll tell you what, they have more than any other city in the world, nose rings. There was obviously a period of time where, and I don't mean the, like the in the nostril ring. I mean like, oh, yeah, in the yeah, septum. The, yeah. Yeah. I hate that. Oh, one. man, that is like. Yeah. Let that go. No, well, not in Portland, man. It's, too, it's one of those things where probably everyone wants to let it go, but they're just waiting for the first person to make that move and then right. follow but they can't and, and does it and does it even like i don't know if it heals over like i know if it's yeah outside of your nose but maybe you now you've got four nostrils yeah maybe maybe you got to keep it in or you can't well, blow your nose with those earrings where people got the flappy right loose hold e- earlobes yeah that's weird that's right you can't take those out that's yeah. a lifelong commitment yes. you're making yeah yeah, it's, but it is, it's like that whole thing about the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. It is. And I loved it because that's my period of time. Like that is. It's every, mine too. That's I'm... everything that I loved. But the thing that, about going back there as like a 40-year-old, like, you know, now that I've had a career and some money and stuff, it's like you've got, it's like you've gone there with superpowers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I can, I can buy all of this I, shit. Because I know how this works now. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I'm not actually It's like back to the future. Back artist. to the future. Right. Yes. It's my back to the future. It was <laughs> yeah. so fucking good, man. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. You've trained like in hacky sack for 50 years and then you go back in the future and then you're just a master and everyone's in awe of your hacky sack skills. Right. And I love, and that's what I love the most also is that like, you know, you've got the ability to time travel and you've used it to impress people in hacky sack. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was thinking about Hacky Tom, Sack to the Future. It's Tom a new Cruise film, Edge of Tomorrow, where oh, um, yeah, it's a, it's the Groundhog Day, the yeah, modern Groundhog Day, yeah, and I was, and like you know the idea that you would use each day and you would develop your skills and you would take those skills back to the start of the day, yeah, that would be pretty amazing if you use your Tom Cruise skills not to defeat the alien war but just to go to Portland and be the most awesome hipster they'd ever seen, right. But I think that is the sort of thing that I would You've do. You've read every Penguin classic there is. Like, I think that is that is exactly what I would do. I think if I had the time that, that I would use it. I mean, there was a, a Richard Curtis movie that was about time travel that came out uh, last year called like About Time or something like that. Oh, that sucked shit, that film. Right. I didn't like it either. You saw it? Yeah. yeah, I really didn't well, it's enjoy like, it. What's the lesson there? You've, you've, you could, if you could basically just try over and over again with a girl, eventually it's just like there was no stakes because every mistake he could fix. Right. So you're like, hey, obviously this is going to turn out right or you're not trying. Right. It also feels a little rapey. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> he's, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, in general, the idea of like tricking yeah. a girl into like eventually sleeping with you yeah. by, you know, fooling them by having to correct all your mistakes all the time, it does feel a little predatory. It feels like you're grooming them. You're mm. essentially mm. grooming them. Mm. It is amazing that the, the concept that if you like the same bands and you you enjoy the same Eastern European poetry and you've seen the same film that she loves and you know all this shit about her, that that is going to make her want to instantly fuck you. Right. It's an incredible concept. I mean, because that's not really what relationships are like, It's is like it? working out a code or something. Right. Like, you know, like if I learn the code and... Yeah, this is right, and happen. you're also not b- being you. No, you're not you. You're just you're a complete creepy right. I'm Facebook wi- stalker. I am willing to change my entire personality just to <laughs> just to fuck you. I mean, that, that seems it <laughs> seems a bit weird. Yeah, I'll be fucking you, but it, you, yeah, yeah. I won't be who you think I am. No, <laughs> I mean it's 
Yeah, so, but the only thing that I enjoyed about that film, and the reason I brought it up, is Bill Nye's character um, spends a lot of his time just going back to have time to read all the classics and, you know, and that bit of it appeals to me. Yeah. I, like the idea of having that extra time to just like, you know what, I'm just going to spend a couple of months just reading, you know, the hundred best books that have ever been written or that sort of thing. That kind of, I dig that. I yeah. wish I wish I had the time to do more of that. Yeah, yeah, that would be really, yeah, that would be really amazing. I'm often... I've got like a bit of a library, like library fantasy, like a room with books in it. Because, you know, like I think about the kind of dad I want to be and uh-huh. I always think it's like Mr. Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. Like he's got three girls. There's some crazy, he's got some crazy batshit wife who's always, you know, like, Mr. Bennett, Mr. Bennett. Like there's something going wrong with the girls. <laughs> and he's in his library smoking a pipe. He's reading a book and he's just so bookish and detached. So right. someone comes in and says, oh, oh, I've been raped by the, the farm's hand. And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> silly girls and your crazy whims. And then he'll just go back to reading whatever he's reading. That's, that's, that's living. Yeah, right. No, no, I hear. Like, I mean, I love the idea of like one of my big fantasy things for like, you know, whatever fantasy house that, you know, I have in my mind is that I want... Um, Do you have an actual fantasy, like, house structure, like how it's laid out and stuff? No, but I have bits of... Like, you know, I have little... Like, I don't have a whole life planned out, but there are certain things that I know that if I ever got to a certain stage in my life that I would just want, right? You've got rooms that you've... Lockdown rooms and just like philosophies of life and things that I'm going to do, right? Wow. So, well, so people who listen to this podcast regularly have heard about my one thing, which is if I ever get rich, rich and eccentric enough, I'm only going to eat finger food. Like, I, I love tiny foods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I haven't sat down to a meal in 45 years. No, only it's, oh, <laughs> it's we, see, Will Anderson's here. Oh, you know, he eats yeah. finger foods. He doesn't sit, he doesn't yep. sit stands and he eats finger foods. Yeah, love it. It's my favorite thing. But the other one is, um, uh, like, I want a, um, to have enough money to have like, a, like an Andy Warhol esque, you know, um, the warehouse sort of like, you know, yeah. with like artists and like rooms for performance and like, but one of the things that I want is a giant wall that is all books and it has one of those like ladders that roll. Rolls across. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling ladder. Rolling, rolling ladder. ladder is like high on my list of shit You've made it. Want. Once you've got a rolling ladder. Yeah. You could install a rolling ladder in my house, but you would probably get about 10 centimetres either way. So you'd be really <laughs> lying to yourself. <laughs> you rely on yourself. Yeah, it's it's, it's you want to you want to have a situation where the rolling ladder actually is really handy. Otherwise, you oh, yeah, can't get right. those fucking books. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, I could buy a rolling ladder now, <laughs> but it wouldn't be a real rolling ladder. A ladder, you know? to, ladder to nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you um, have any of those sort of? You think if do you ever think, oh, I wish I could take six months off to learn a language, or if I had six months off, or uh, I was speaking to someone recently who is currently going to going and visiting uh, all the wonders of the world, you know, the, like the seven wonders of the oh, world, or whatever. Really? So they're going through each of the. You weren't impressed by that, were you? No, because I just feel like someone's decided their wonders, and that just. It automatically sets up. I just think right. I'd be dis- like, disappointed. You, you can't tell me what a wonder is. Yeah. Oh, this is a wonder. It's yeah. all right. It's like all right. high expectations are really bad. Right. Like if it was like the pretty interesting wall of China, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, this is great. Yeah, this is actually this great. Is, this I think is great. I think you're underselling this. Yeah, this is a great wall of China. Yeah. Uh, but you'd be like, eh, it's not. It's, it's a. It's an okay wall of China. Yeah. You know, I just don't like any my expectations being set. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, like traveling is, is, is wondrous, but it's never, it's always in between the places that are supposed to be amazing. 
Okay, you know. so I agree with you on that. Like, so I ha- you know, you go and see the Grand Canyon, but then you, something amazing happens in the car park, and that's really what you carry with you. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Amy and I went to uh, Rome and didn't go to the Colosseum or the Vatican, but we had a great time. Like we yeah. ate pizza and we drove around in fast cars and we drank wine and we like absolutely, whatever. absolutely. I didn't go. I didn't go up the Eiffel Tower when I went to Paris. Saw it and I was like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. the Eiffel Tower. It's beautiful. It's really good. And then Luce was like, do you want to walk up it? And I was like, no, 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 it's all right. <laughs> okay uh, and like you know she was like that's a bit weird you're in paris and i was like i just don't i don't need to go yeah i don't need to go up there <laughs> i don't know that sounds really unadventurous but no um, no, no, no because but you know like i uh, it's it's weird you kind of i i'm not really into you know massively touristy things although sometimes i kind of i'm probably too cool for school and then someone forces me to do it and i, I really enjoy it but like you know, you know what it's like to climb up a structure and 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 sure, look out. yeah. You're like, I've climbed up something. Yeah, and, there and what am of, I going to see? Yes, yeah. from the top. Yeah, I'll look out of the plane window. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I've got a great imagination. <laughs> yeah. You don't tell me what to do. Let's yeah. go and eat some cheese and drink yeah. some wine. That's right. And then you know, like cheese is intimidating in Paris. There's, I've never. There's fromageries that are just unbelievable. You've never seen so much cheese. You're like, I'm. I don't even know where to start. Right, and also unpasteurized cheese. Yeah, like there's because you know they're allowed to over there. They yeah, can just and that's good. Probably there's probably somewhere there that they're milking a man. There's got to be some. It's got to be somewhere in Paris. And they're not heating that milk at all. No. Just, <laughs> it's going straight to the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. some new regulation they've just brought in in America. I was reading in the local news. Sometimes because I'm over here now, I'm trying to like get myself across you know, the local news. And it's yeah. sometimes it's, it's hard so to give hard. It's shit when you're like, who, who are I don't you? know who these people are. It's like watching some TV show where you've like missed everything. Like you've come in in the last season and you're like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like only watching the last season of Lost Yeah, is trying yeah. to read a newspaper in a country where you don't, like you kind of get the main characters. You're like, oh yeah, Obama, I get that. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, that popular sporting team. Yeah. But the rest of it is just like, who's that guy? Sen- Senator Barber. Is Barbary. he married to her? Yeah, Senator Barber shot on a train today. And it's like controversy. You're like, what? Who? I don't even know if he's liberal, conservative. He's... Give me a backstory. Yeah. Like, I mean, to the side, they should give you a previously on McLeod's daughters. Yeah, you know? with news, you don't get backstory because, like, it's just you're part of a conversation that's ongoing. Right. They assume and you, you just know. Join, you just join the conversation. But, yeah, you do need, like, a previously. Just a quick recap. Previously on LA Times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I've been trying to do that. And apparently there's a cheese controversy going on in America at the moment because, uh, so they passed some new. It's one of those classic examples of gov- the FDA doing some bullshit right. thing. Like, and so yeah. the thing that they, the wooden like racks that they keep the cheese on now, because they can't be made sanitary, between every you know time you put cheese on them, they're now not allowed to use them. But this is like what they've been doing for since there was cheese, right? But also, it's cheese. Yeah, and it's, it's their cheese, which sucks shit. It's like just yellow cardboard. Right. It's like, really? You can't have problems with that. It's indestructible. It's, yeah, it's like it's made out of mold. <laughs> like, it's made out of shit going wrong. It's made out of the wood and that I'm, it's sitting like, on. Like, seriously, it's fine. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, American cheese is terrible. That is that is absolutely true. Yeah. Well, what I find weird about the French, they've got, you know, all this unpasteurized cheese, but it was Louis Pasteur who invented pasteurization, that kind That's of hair removing impurities. But he's backed off that. He's obviously French. He's gone, yeah, you can do that. 
we're fine. Right. I invented it. Doesn't mean <laughs> yeah, I have I mean, to use it, mate. I invented it. Just so I could fuck up everyone else's chairs. Yeah, that's right. We're keeping our good chairs. No, I remember in Australia, like the there was a time because it was a, a point of time where you could couldn't sell uh, French unpasteurized cheese in Australia. It was illegal, but then they've changed the law, and um, so there was like this day where you were finally allowed to sell this, like you know, whatever the cheese is that's meant to be the, the you know, the that best one. So um, I had a cheese guy. Yeah, I used to have a cheese this guy. This is the mieux de clos. And um, he uh, he used to work at the markets at uh, Fox Studios. They have like a Wednesday, like you know, yeah, farmers know market. market yeah. there. And there was a cheese guy there, and it was like the day before, like it was meant to, like you know, the the deadline. And he like gave me a little the day. Before. <laughs> I was like, we can uh, we can bend the rules. Yeah, he was like, you know what? It's only a few hours. <laughs> you know what? I like you. I like you. I always love. I always love the idea. I don't that normally do this. What if I got like caught on the way home? Because <laughs> <laughs> technically, it was a cheese police. Oh, fuck! <laughs> fuck! And that guy probably tipped tipped the cops off. Right. You just Car- like car- I hate that wheel guy with like a SWAT team. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't. I, you know, I don't normally do this, but uh, <laughs> there's a guy that's just bought some illegal cheese, yeah. and his name's Will Anderson, and he's driving. <laughs> He's driving past Moor Park, and um, yeah, you get busted, and yeah. it's like fuck, you got stitched fuck, up, man. dude. You got Can't stitched. come and work in America because I've got. Can't fucking... work. <laughs> You'll never get a visa. <laughs> what, what, like... are you in, what are you in for, mate? <laughs> I was caught with uh, half a kilo of unpasteurized. <laughs> yeah, and the twenty-four hours before that would have been totally cool. <laughs> it's like fuck, how unlucky. Busted on the last day of a, of illegal cheese. Yeah. yeah, you would be unlucky. It'd be, it'd be, I'd be like I'd be, I'd be like uh, Ronald Ryan, the last man hanged. You know? Yeah, right. That'd yeah. be me. Everyone's like, oh, oh I guess, man, you could. Uh, well, could've, I guess the yeah. law's the law. <laughs> <laughs> Still can't can't wait for tomorrow. <laughs> can't wait for tomorrow when things are going to be better. That's fuck. Because that reminds me, like, I don't know if you were around in Australia for it, but this really freaked me out. This story, Jeff Hugel and his wife, you know, swimming. Oh yeah, Hugel? Skippy, really uh, lovely guy. So Jeff Hugel is a really lovely guy, and he was an Australian, uh, I Olymp- think, butterfly Olympic, Olympic butterfly swimmer. swimmer. He and he, like he was world champion or something at one stage. He was a very good swimmer. Anyway. Yeah. Then he stopped, and then he got really fat, really and he, fat, and he lost all this weight and went back into training. He went back to. I the Commonwealth Games. Commonwealth Games, Games or the Games, Olympics. I think he won gold at the Commonwealth yeah. Games. Butterfly. So it was this incredible comeback. And then. And really incredible. And like a guy that everybody loves. And everyone was kind of like, because he went through, I think, a bit of depression and stuff after he finished swimming. Yeah. And he said that he was like one of those guys that, like, because when you swim, like when you're a like world class yeah. swimmer. No shit, you're depressed. I mean, you're just looking at a black line. Right. And then when that stops and you have nothing to do, you've <laughs> got to start looking at some white lines, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it's just the universe finding some balance. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, come imagine on. that as a defence. Yeah, I stared <laughs> at a black line yeah. for 20 years. Now I'm looking at some white ones. White lines. Come on, it's Whatever. logical. Come yeah. on. I need lines. Back right? and forward. I'm a man. If you can invent black cocaine, then <laughs> we'll be sweet. But um, yeah, so yeah, he got he, him and his wife got busted at the Randwick races yeah. for cocaine possession. Yeah. And I was like, my wife and I were really freaked out because, you know, we we know Jeff just kind of like from around. Socially, yeah. And um, he's got this business which is all based around, you know, kind of motivational speaking and he's doing lots of all these kind of programs with kids. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. And, 
you know, like my wife and I sort of, we used to party a bit, but we don't do that so much anymore because we've got kids. Right. But I was like, you know, there is a conceivable reality where we'd be at the races, like in a VIP tent, and someone would go, I got a bag of Coke. And you'd be like, that, that'd be fun. Yeah. And you would think that maybe you weren't going to get busted, right? Oh, you know what? Because that, that's the thing about it is, I mean, if they really were serious about it, you know, to, to take it even out of that situation, the best example is, like, if they were really serious about busting people doing cocaine, they would have sniffer dogs at the Logies. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got the yeah. pinnacle of Australian show business and the line in those fucking toilets yeah. is like through the fucking door. Yeah. And it's not just people busting to go for a week. <laughs> no. Like, Heaven forbid if you are busting to go But for a also week. go to an advertising company or go to a like marketing company or go to the guys who are on the stock market. You ever hung out with some bankers? Yeah. Or like, I, I mean, these are high power. I mean, Australia has the highest level of drug taking you know, per capita in the world, I believe. Wow. And... <laughs> which means that it isn't just, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people are doing it in various different ways. Yeah, of course. So it is one of those things where you, when somebody gets busted for something like that, you do think they're but for the grace of, you know, whatever yeah. go I. Yeah, because um, yeah, it was obviously like calculated to be a public thing. People are going to know who these people are. Yeah. Um, they've kind of got a lot to lose. Their parents and all of a sudden people are morally outraged and, and he's losing all this work and... And I'm like, you know what? There's this weird moral outrage in Australia over things like, you know, drugs. It's kind of like very black and white. Like mm-hmm. it's, oh, they're taking drugs. So, you know, they're a terrible parent and a terrible um, business person and a terrible human being. And you're like, okay, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really take drugs anymore. I, maybe on like a special occasion. But I used to take quite a bit in my 20s and stuff. And, you know... I fucking still worked. I still held down relationships. I still had jobs, you know, and I was effective. I wasn't like, I wasn't an addict, you know. It was a, it was a recreational thing. So when I see something like that happened to Jeff and his wife, you're like, he can still run his business. He, he's still a good dad. I, I mean, I did that sort of thing. I mean, and, uh, very much like you. Like, literally, it's a rare occasion once or twice a year now where that thing would even come across my radar. Yeah. Whereas in the old days, it might have been once or twice a weekend, you know? Yeah. But there was just a natural point where you're, that you suddenly realised it was like once or twice a month and then suddenly it was like, you know, once or twice a year and then suddenly yeah. you're just like, oh, yeah, I can't even remember the last... But, you know, like if there was an occasion or a thing or whatever, you, it wasn't like you said... I've. You haven't retired forever. Yeah. You haven't like put you like, if you had to come out of retirement for one big night. But you stopped be... knowing people. You stopped knowing like, and, right. you, and you had to do that really weird thing. I would have like, to accidentally stumble upon. Who do I know that's still take, because that's mine. Who, right. who do I know that's still taking drugs? And then I haven't spoken to them for ages. And, and you can't ring them up and go, hey, what's up? Yeah. Do you still, yeah, do you know your you guy? Know. Do you got a guy? Yeah. It's, you can't do that. Yeah. So you just kind of slip out of it and it's right. fine. And that seems quite natural, but there's a wonderful journalist from Australia who's now actually uh, a doctor or <laughs> studying to be a doctor. Uh, she's an amazing woman called Lisa Pryor, and she yeah, wrote right. she wrote a book about um, uh, the, the problem in Australia, and you know more broadly. But it's a wonderful uh, book. Julian Morrow's wife. Julian yeah. Morrow's wife. Yeah, yeah, I know her. Right. I met her. Yeah, she's fantastic, and she's now she left journalism to go and study medicine and become a doctor because she was. I think. I think if I know the story correctly, she was doing an article like you know about you know doctors and the emergency room and all that sort of stuff, and she was like, no, 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 this is what I should be doing, which is stunning. Wow. Like, right, you know, but she was an amazing writer, and uh, I can't remember what the the. I think it's called a little book about drugs, but. 
It's amazing. And she argues that sort of thing about the moral culpability because she says she knows so many successful people and so do I. People who have successful businesses, successful lives, who aren't terrible people, mm. who all could have been Jeff Hugel yeah. that weekend, you know? Yeah. And the fact that when something like the Jeff Hugel thing happens, everybody else stays silent and thinks, thank fuck, that wasn't me. It adds to the idea that it's only these people doing it, as opposed to the real picture, which is that there are plenty of people who have a recreational use of drugs who otherwise lead very productive lives. Yeah, well, you think about the social problems that alcohol causes, they're just ginormous, and it's completely fine, you know, but it ruins lives daily. Daily. Tears families apart daily. Uh, Biggest cause of violence in the streets, and, you know, like, so it's... it's, Oh, and uh, violence against women. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's a shocker. Like, it is a shocker. I mean, as we sit here drinking beers. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we've been conditioned. We can't get out of it now. <laughs> it's the government's fault. It's the government's fault. I blame the government. Yeah, I blame the government. It was funny. We were having a little conversation. I got hooked on this in Australia. <laughs> uh, do you know the television show Orange is the New Black? I do. Um, I was just uh, watching the second series that Netflix dropped the other day. And uh, there's a line in the, one of the characters is Australian in the new series. And, uh, and he just says, like, you know, his line is, Hey, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm an Australian. <laughs> and I, I, was, I know. It was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, because we I was talking to, I'm staying with um, Tim Minchin and his wife Sarah and their kids. And um, he was talking about how, you know, people don't really get drunk here in, in no, America. That's like, true. if you get like pissed to the point where people notice that you're drunk, it's like a big deal. It's a big deal here. But in Australia, you kind of like, just everyone just sort of gets there and yeah. it's fine. Oh, yeah, that is what it's like, though. Like, I mean, if, you know. But then every now and then there's someone that's, like, too drunk at a party in Australia and you think, fuck, imagine what they'd be like in LA or somewhere. Like, being too drunk at a party in Australia is, where it's noticeable, is an achievement. Ryan Quanton, the Australian actor who's in True Blood and a whole bunch of other stuff, yeah, uh, he told me that um, at the first meeting he went to, he had a couple of beers. Like, it was a lunchtime meeting. It was a nice day. And so at lunch he had a couple of beers. And afterwards they rang his agent and said, has he got, like, a drinking problem? Because he had a couple of beers. Oh, because it was like a lunchtime meeting. It was meeting. a lunchtime meeting. And they were like, what is he doing drinking in, like, you know, like, <laughs> a couple of beers at lunchtime. <laughs> it's like, I know he's Australian, but my God, is that like normal? Like, <laughs> Although I, I have noticed that some of the shows I do over here now make sure there's beer because I'm on. Like, whereas like, because people here don't drink a lot before the shows either. Yeah, right. I'm like, Why? Yes, because I can't drink at all, really at all before a show. Oh, really? Well, see, but you've got to like, you know, well, you're probably normally going to like sing or do something professional. Whereas yeah, because you, th- you start thinking about, you know, where your hands are meant to go and what the next lyric is and that's like a disaster. Like, yeah, you know what it's like? You've thinking got to is hit. not good. No, you, yeah, that's right. Okay, well, that's a, that's a bit of a difference. Mm. Yeah. You've been doing a heap of different things of late, haven't you? Like, I mean, you had yeah. Offspring, like the Australian television show for our international listeners, but it's been like this incredibly popular australian yeah like drama comedy what is it what, what would they say yeah. it's like it's all those things isn't it it's i like, call it a drama but it's like a yeah. dra- dramedy a dramedy yeah and um yeah that's a bit just we just finished season five shooting that and um 
it's it's made things kind of weird in Australia because you're in people's living rooms every week, and so I get like at the I get a lot more attention on the streets and when I'm at Coles and stuff to my shopping. And my character in this season, right at this point, has sort of broken off with the character that he's played by Cat Stewart, Billy oh, Proudman, yeah, yeah. who he's been married to or in a relationship to, and. Um, you know, I'm allowed to say what happens at the end of the series, but the amount of people like that would just sh- I was shooting Peter Halley as it's a date, right? Doing uh-huh. an episode of that. We were shooting outside the art center. We're in the middle of a scene, there's people walking past and they're like, Get back with Billy. She really loves you. She really loves you. And they're like, All right, cut. And like it's that kind of stuff. So it's it's really weird because you you know, it's not like a film or theater where people have to leave their house to go and see you perform and then you exist in that space. Like you come to them in their living room every week and they've really invested in it like, right they crazy. invest in that relationship and they and they find it hard to like yeah. differentiate you from, i mean i know these people i don't think these people are actually going by thinking you are that person no but they but so entwine those two things i think the line is different for other people though so when i when i get like a tweet that goes you know i can't believe you did that to billy and you like and it's and i always read it in like you know in irony font right right so i presume that they're you know, part of them is aware that this is ridiculous what they're saying, but they're invested and that's the kind of game we're playing, you know, with, with our investment and our love of this particular TV show. But others you're like, I don't know, I reckon this sort of it's really real for you. It's really real and you want me to make it okay for you on social media. Like a lot of it's about please tell me you guys get together at the end of the season because I just need to have hope. And you're like, it's a fucking drama series. Like if you know what's going to happen and you've got hope, the whole thing's shit. Like, drama exists on you being disappointed and made sad all the time. Uh, and yet the human condition is you want to feel good all the time. So people watch these seasons and it's like drugs. It's like these people get into trouble and then they get out of trouble and they get into more trouble and then something else goes wrong and you're like, oh, I just want them to be happy. I want it all to be right. But that moment will never come in a drama because right. no one wants to watch fucking people just chill it out, doing stuff. Everything's great. I'm in a great relationship and, hey, honey... How are you today? Oh, I had a great day. It's like, who gives a shit about that? Right. You know? Yeah, I love that episode last week when you went to the shops. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Remember we went to the zoo and, uh, yeah. Ah, oh, man. And stay that t- ibis jumped on the table. Stay tuned next week. Yeah. Uh, they're going to sit comfortably <laughs> on the couch and download a series off Netflix and watch it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, but also you've been uh, in the musical world. You've been doing – was it South Pacific? Is that what you were doing? Were yeah, you in South Pacific? Yeah, I was just a performer in South Pacific and that was really good because I didn't have to write anything or, you know, make any decisions. What, I always wonder, like, I've always had kind of – I have no skills to be able to do this, by the way. So this is a fantasy that will never, uh, <laughs> never happen. Unlike um, – time traveling back to portland well you know that's still a possibility <laughs> this one <laughs> this is further away than time travel yeah i can't because i can't sing can't hold a gym um but i love I, I did the king i was leading the king and i at high school wow quite <clears throat> controversial well a lot of his well because of my race so you're being racist Were there, was there a thai guy you in know your what class I, that was... I like he's the worst thing about it is i browned up <laughs> <laughs> That's so offensive, isn't it? Well, you could well, do I, that back then. Yeah. It was a good, good time. Yeah, good times. Racism didn't exist. Where it got, well, it was just, you know. Yep, you were white and you were right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't sing. I, I, right. I, I, and so, but 
the idea of being part of like a traveling they asked me to be the narrator on the uh rocky horror you know the new rocky horror picture show that's yeah like right touring. darren hinch did that i think at one point right yeah so um the only thing that appealed to me about that is that idea i've always thought it'd be nice to be part of like a cast yeah. and a crew and like a seat like you know being part of a production where you're just the player you're yeah. not like you don't have it's not your own show you don't have to worry about everything you just go in at night and you do your bit and you're part of a thing and yeah it is it is kind of nice but then you realize that um they're like there are people i know people that are like show people they're show folk and they go from you know musical to musical to musical in the cast and uh-huh. they've got these big families these 35 people in the cast every show and every show they do they're accumulating more people and there's massive communities of people and I can't fucking handle that. Like, I, even like being in a cast of thirty-five people, you're going to work with thirty-five people. I mean, you'd be the same. I'm used to kind of working on my own, right? Engage with people when I have to engage with them. But you know, like, I, I don't want to bring a cake in. You know, <laughs> like there's a like, I don't really know it's like music theatre, but shows can become cake shows where someone just one day just happened to be passing their favourite fucking cake shop and they go, oh, I brought in a cake today. And everyone's like, oh, that cake's amazing. Where'd you get it? And then someone will go, oh, no, I brought in a cake and you must try the cake. And it's like, I don't want to fucking eat your cake. I don't want to buy a cake. I don't want to deal with cake. There's now, a lot of cake. And also now I have to go to the gym for an extra fucking 15 minutes every day to work off this fucking excess cake weight that but I'm all putting these on. these dudes are like ripped as shit and right. all the girls are fit and all the guys are really fit. And then they're like, yeah, I love this cake. And they're shoving cake. I'm like... I'm like, I'm fucking fat and I can't, right. I don't eat cake. So what the hell? Exercise yeah. probably. Exercise, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is. Oh, problem solved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've gone straight all to right. the solution. Now, all right. Okay, that's fair enough then. Okay, so so you, so you were doing that. What about, um, and you were doing the shows with Tripod. I know you did the perfect Tripod shows during the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And that's been good. That's like the perfect blend of not being on your own and not being in a massive group of people. Like just me hanging out with Tripod is a lot of fun. Like, I, um, I, I'm like, it, I, I don't know if this is a weird thing to say. It's not a weird thing to say. It's, it's okay to like your friend's work, isn't it? It's not weird. Yeah. Um, but I downloaded the album, the Perfect Tripod album. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it does, like, there's, there is, it's, it's just one of those things where I have often walked around weird places where I'm so far away from home and I listen to that album because it's like, yeah, so, right. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's like, yeah. do you have, um, because I also have a great love of Australian music and I always have I've always enjoyed Australian music Mm. but do you have like is there one like era or song or band or something in particular I watched the um you know the In Excess miniseries because I was out of Australia when that was on right and um I watched the miniseries on the plane when I was flying back over here it was on the like you know the in-house thing and uh it reminded me of how much when I was like 15 in excess were like a massive part of like because i kind of my musical taste moved beyond that and i kind of had forgotten but man like there was a point in my life where like i just loved in excess yeah yeah right totally i mean yeah i had um i mean australian music was kind of weird we you know the albums that i was really into were my sister bought them right in the 90s older or younger sister older older sister so you know that classical um older sister buying cds more plugged in and then i would just sort of listen to them and the big album we had from like the early 90s, like 91, 92, was um, This Is The Sharp by The Sharp. Do you oh remember that? Oh, my them? God, yeah. Scratch my, my back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never needed it. I was really into that album. And I was really Yeah, I, I had that album. That was a great album. Yeah. And they were Skivvies. And the late show the did Skivvies The Skivvies Are Back, are back yeah, parody. Which was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
And then the other one that was, was a great song. Deb Conway's Bitch Epic album. Oh yeah, that's great too. And uh, listen to was that. that the one where she was covered in cake on the front? Covered in cake and yeah. chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was a woman who knew what to do with cake. She knew what to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cake show I want to go to. <laughs> cake show. That's not a good name. The nice, the nice thing is that I always try to like as we're talking because it means that I don't have to like go, go back through the whole episode to put the description. Is I always like to like somewhere identify a phrase or a title that will be the title of the episode. So, cake shows cake definitely. Show. <laughs> cake shows great because cake can mean two really wildly different things. It's like this beautiful sweet dessert you eat, or mm-hmm. cake is like is just what happens when shit that shouldn't clump together clumps together. That's like a Cake of right, it cakes together, cake of soap or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Like, do you have a favourite cake? This is something I'm interested in. I know you don't eat cake, but is there like, well, what is your? If you're going to eat, what what do you eat? What's your like? What's your favourite food? Oh, favourite food. Well, favourite like what if you had? Okay, you go into the electric chair, right? I don't know. I don't know what you've done. You've had uh, unpasteurised cheese one day early. I got busted. (laughs) Twenty four hours before it would be legal. And it's your third strike. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. You're going down. Third time you've been caught with unpasteurised (laughs) goods. So that's the three-strike policy, electric chair. And they say, we're bringing you your final meal. What is your final meal in that situation? Wow. Um, apparently nobody eats their final meal. Did you know this? No. So there's a guy um, in one of the – who works as a as the, sh- as the chef mm-hmm. in one of those prisons down um, in the south of North America. Uh-huh. I don't know what state it is, probably Texas or something where the death penalty still happens. And um, – his job was to cook the last meal. I mean, like, you really go to... There was an amazing, like, um, Times article on him. And he'd go and find all the stuff and source it and, you know, try and make it as best as he could. And he said, no one eats it. No one eats it. Isn't that full on? No one feels like because they're going to get executed and they don't... It, it gets untouched. But he still makes it. I think that's incredible. That is kind of... It's kind of beautiful in yeah. some ways. Hope it doesn't go to waste, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it does. It's scraped into the bin. <laughs> Maybe the prison guards get to take it home or something. I know there's something really Some depressing about out. eating someone else's last meal. I don't know. If you're taking people to the electric chair for a living, you're probably hardened against it. You're probably actually whispering to them, you know what? Order something I want. <laughs> order the steak. Yeah, order the steak. Yeah, it's your fantastic. mum used to cook steak, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> Happy memories. <laughs> get the steak. <laughs> you know what reminds you of your childhood? Filet mignon. <laughs> Yeah, what do you want tonight, boys? What do you feel like you did tonight? Because I've got this Inception shit down pat. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, man, it's the NBA playoffs tonight, so if you could order pizza. Yeah. Because I've got some guys coming yeah. over. Remember when you were hanging out with your dad eating pizza? <laughs> no, I never knew my dad. Damn it, damn it. We'll try, we'll try another pizza angle. I'm in there. I'm like, remember the only thing you really loved from your childhood was finger food? <laughs> Tiny little food on stick. Remember how fancy that made you feel? <laughs> like you never had to fully commit to any one particular dish and you got a whole range of flavours and you, you never felt too full. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. Finger food. I'm, I'm, I can't eat it. I'm going to die. <laughs> and then it's like, great, we've got all the finger food we want. Yeah. Um, so party skated. Uh, what what's your food if you're going to electric chair? If you are going to eat it, what's your what's your ideal meal? That's really hard. I uh, probably something really simple like like fresh handmade proper 
fettuccine with like shaved truffles on it. Yeah, all right. That's yeah. good. No, I'm in What about you? Uh, avocado on toast. <laughs> like, it's, but tiny toast? Yeah, tiny toast. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's, uh, I, I, I shouldn't actually say this because like, sometimes you know, things are jokes and then sometimes they just reveal shit about myself that I probably shouldn't have out <laughs> yeah. there. But you should go there. Anyway, um, <laughs> I do eat tiny toast. Oh. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is it in your cupboard right now? No, what I do <laughs> is I get normal toast and I cut it up like into... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so I've good. never told another how, human being that. That's small? my secret shame. How small do you cut So up? like a piece that is like, uh, say, this a big, quarter. like a sourdough. So that whatever that would oh, yeah, be, yeah, like, okay. a, a, like less than the size of your hand piece of sourdough, right? Yeah. Um, I will cut that into... So that I'll cut that into about three pieces. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a third's. Yeah. Yeah. That's not too bad. That's no. Not too bad. Well, you're still going to have room to get like whatever topping you're going to put on your tiny yeah. toast. And I like to top, you know. Yeah. I, so, you so, like to tower it up there. Yeah, exactly. Do you put a bit of Tabasco on the avocado? Oh, I like a bit of Tabasco. Maybe some lemon, some salt and pepper. Yeah. You know, I'll mix it up. Some feta cheese. Avocado really is good. Oh, man. It's amazing. Like, it's my favorite. Yeah. It's a, but avocado on toast. That's I think that's where avocado is supreme. You can put avocado on a lot of things. And don't get me wrong. You should. But... It can't go past yeah. avocado on I don't like avocado on warm stuff. Well, you don't like don't it on warm, warm stuff? Like oh, you don't like warmed avocado, you mean? Yeah, or you don't, yeah. Warm, yeah, avocado that's in cooking. You know, sometimes it passes with no. avocado. I'm like, Yeah, no. I agree with you. No. No, it's, cold on the top of your toast. No. Yep. On some hot toast, though. Hot cold, toast, yeah. butter. And then you like guacamole on oh, burrito. Right. I mean, don't get I mean, me wrong. Fantastic. Why, why would you ever change that? And they well, haven't. They haven't. Century. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do hey, you think we should improve this? Well, nah, we fucking nailed it, nah, mate. We've just nailed keep it. Going. Let's just keep rolling Move it. Move on. Concentrate on something else. <laughs> That's what I like about the Mexicans and their food, like in particular, is they really did just nail about five things and just went, "We've nailed five delicious things. Just combine them in different ways." No, essentially, it's just avocado on toast. I mean, it really is, kind of. <laughs> it is. Like, I mean, Mexican- we're going to make our own little flatbreads and we're going to put avocado on it. That's all. I'm going to fold it a few different ways to give it a few different names. But that's what I enjoy about Mexican food is, is, it a- is that it is exactly the same food prepared in different ways. Yeah. Like every meal, it's like you can fool yourself that like a taco is different to a burrito or whatever, but it's not. Yeah. It's all the same shit. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. But it works. They're like, you got any other options? No, yeah. we've just. Yeah, it's like origami. Right. <laughs> I've been working on a triangle. No, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, all right. So, yeah. Yeah, simple foods. Simple foods. I get that. Yeah, that's totally what I do. Yes. So, what else? Um, so, what else have you been doing? That's what, that's what I was asking. Oh. That was the question I was like. So, is that... So that's I mean, been pretty much it. Yeah, yeah no, I've been writing some songs for Baz Luhrmann, Strictly Ballroom oh, Music that's right. And that so, was pretty how was that? Well, it's good. I got to work with um, Baz Luhrmann. And, and, did um, you know Baz beforehand? I didn't. I met him at the Helpman Awards. I was uh-huh. hosting the Helpman Awards and then we met backstage and then I got a call um, from someone else, one of his assistants, saying, um, uh, does Eddie want to go for a walk with Baz? Mm. And I was like, I've never been asked to go for a walk with anyone. Mm. And I was like, It does yeah. sound like something, that doesn't it? Go for a walk with Baz. Yeah. That's what you love about Baz. That's yeah. what I love about Baz. He'll just, yeah, he's not going to have a meeting. He's no. going to go for a walk. You know that he does a lot of his business from his bed. 
Yes. Or his business, as I like to think of it. <laughs> but doing his business. Doing his business. He's a business man. Yeah, I'm all about the business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's just business, baby. <laughs> You're up for some risky business. <laughs> risky man. Um, Mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> It is good. Yeah, but he, he's got a, a certain agenda sa quoi. You he know? does. And that's what I like about him. Yeah. Like, you know, he, I mean, who would have thought that this, like, he makes these insane, like, big, grandiose, like, you know, movies and yeah. ideas and things. It was like, like Gatsby was like $100 million. I, I mean, st- and it's he's full on. Yeah. It's full on. So, and, okay, so do you go for a walk with Baz? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for a walk. And then yeah. his assistant was like, oh, you know, it's going to be, you know, maybe a little bit chilly because, you know, Baz might walk along the river. So, you know, bring some warm clothes. And I'm like, I'm fine. I know how to dress right. for the outdoors. Yeah. I'm Melbourneian. And then I go and meet him. He's been doing auditions all day. And, and then, um, he comes out and he has this really long conversation with his assistant about what he's gonna what he's gonna wear for the weather and went on for ages like you know I should you know, wear the hood thing he's like no hood's too much it's like do you wear the the puffy the light scarf and and the hat and that that was a decision that was like a committee decision and yeah, I was like right. wow that's okay. never seen anything like that no and um then we went for a walk and we just kind of zigzagged through the city I just kind of followed him and. You know, he talked and he's kind Is it of, just you and him walking or is there an assistant? Walking. Okay, no, it's okay. Me and him. Yep, all right. And um, so we're talking about Strictly Boring, like what he uh-huh. wanted to do. And at that stage, he wanted me to, um, to perform in it. But, um, you know, I'm not, like, it would have been like a pretty tiny role because I'm not a dancer. Mm-hmm. So that, that ended up not happening. But then, um, you know, we we're talking about writing and stuff. And then he just rang me and said, Do you want to write a song for Barry Fife? And I was like, Fuck, how cool is that? Like writing a song for Federation Dance President Barry Fife. So I wrote a song and um, called "Follow My Lead" because I thought the title and the hook had to be some kind of dance, dance-related idea. And um, I sent it off, and he's like, "Yeah, it's really good. We can uh, fix and change this." And we we're sort of looking for something that's more Russian. And so then I wrote a whole other song, sent that off, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, um, uh, we're using that lyrical hook somewhere else. Can, you know, can you maybe take that and change it?" But I didn't want to do that, so I wrote a whole other song, and then I ended up writing four. Songs with this fucking, and I, I thought like this is crazy. I've never rewritten. It wasn't even rewrites, like whole new songs, right. four new songs, and um, so it was a lot of that. But it was enjoyable because he's obviously really good at working with creative people. Like he knows when to kind of load you up with ideas, and he knows when to piss off and leave you to it. But yeah, he has this kind of crazy life where it's designed so that all he does. Is creative stuff. Right. So you know how like in 90% of our job is like underneath the water like an iceberg and it's all the admin and the, the stuff that really gets you down because you're doing it way more than you're doing the actual creative side of stuff. And he's just – he's got like staff that take care of getting him from A to B. Like one of his staff members' staff members' job titles is <laughs> moving Baz through geography and time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Has that for a job description, and then you see it in action, and it's right. exactly what it is. Yeah. He kind of takes bands from one thing, and then he ushers in into a car or onto a plane or into a thing, you know. And then Baz just sort of like walks out, and then he's here, he's with her, he's brief before, and then he's in this moment, and he's talking to so and so, and then he's moving, and then also because schedules change, their job is to sort of call ahead, you know. Right. Crazy. 
the idea is so that all he has to do is um, be hundred percent Baz all the time. Just be yeah, thinking, thinking yeah. creatively. I mean, that's an amazing luxury. Although the I th- I guess for what he does, it's probably not as important as f- perhaps for what we would do, or because there is an element of like for the inspiration of your life. You know, what I mean, for the things you're actually going to talk about or complain about yeah. or like comment upon. Like sometimes, I mean, part of the reason when I moved here to America this last time was that I bought furniture and I like got the gas bill on and whatever was so that I had to deal with the gas company, so that I had to pay my electricity bill. So I had to realize, you know, what the parking was like on the street and go to like, because that's the sort of shit that people do when they live here so that you can at least comment on it. Whereas like Baz wouldn't be able to ever, Baz would never be able to do observational stand-up comedy. No, (laughs) no. Don't you hate it when your when your yacht gets a hole in it? <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, don't you hate that? I know. And then you got to call a guy, and he takes ages to fix it. Yeah. But I had a really stupid conversation with Baz about time, about how fast time travels oh, as yeah, you okay. as you get older. Mm-hmm. And um, we were laughing about, it and he's saying, you know, he's like. 55 or something he's like yeah it's just time goes so fast and you realize you've got limited time you're only gonna be able to make a certain amount of stuff and it's really hard to live with that idea because you just think you're going to keep making stuff forever but eventually the stuff you've made is it you know yeah and i say yeah i mean i feel like time passes so fast because i feel like every night is bin night like you know we put out our bins once a week but i feel like i'm doing that every night that's how Faster time comes around. He's like, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you never put, put out, out a your bin. bin. <laughs> <laughs> but he probably just substituted that in his head for something else. Like when the guy comes to clean the spa. I right. feel like that guy's here every day. Yeah. It's like- <laughs> but I only, I only pay him once a week. It's like the, when the woman comes in to clean the caviar spoons. I know. It happens like it feels I like. I feel like you're always here. <laughs> But God, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that person who like snorts cocaine out of my asshole comes yeah. here like, it feels like he's here every second day. It's too much. He or she. I don't want to make a judgment <laughs> and say those judgment. jobs always go to men. Beyond the fact that you're getting coke snorted out of your asshole. <laughs> That's cool. But I'm going to suggest who's doing it, gender-wise. Whoever, whoever. <laughs> <laughs> no judgments. Yeah. Jeff, no judgments. <laughs> Jeff Hugel. Yeah. Jeff Hugel. I, uh, maybe. Um, all right. We, we should finish up in a minute because I've got to go to Santa Barbara this evening to do right. a gig. Uh, but um, it, gee, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah, to have this you on. Uh, what can we tell people about what, what what's going on in your life? Where can people find you? Are you a person that people can find? Are you doing gigs or are you on the internet? Or no, you... I'm not doing any gigs, but I um, after 12 years, I've finally got a website, which is pretty oh. exciting. Is Eddie, it eddieperfect.com? Dot au. Dot au? Yeah, because some fucker stole my name and I have to pay three grand to get it back if I want dot com. And I was no. like, just write a dot au. What anyway, so it's that? up and it's got like, um, I've just been, I've, I've just been so long. So all of my videos and projects and stuff are up there. So it's really cool. I don't know how to use it so I can actually update it. and. Oh, that. okay. That's good. And yeah. um, tell, tell me what's, what's coming up. What's in the future? Like, what are you working on next? Are you going to do a, like a... You know, show by yourself at some stage again soon? Or probably, what are you thinking about? I'm working on a TV idea. Oh, so writing okay. A, like it's scripted comedy. And I've, I've got um, I've got a commission from M- Melbourne Theatre Company and Sydney Theatre Company to write a play. But I don't, I don't know if the idea I've got for that is any good. So I'm chipping away at that. And so there's lots of writing. And I'm looking for a musical to write, but I don't have the idea yet. 
So I don't know what to write about. Right. Well, we are, we have been pitching pretty heavily Fofop, uh, which is this podcast, the mm. musical. So if you run out of other ideas... <laughs> Would it just be this, two guys at a table like this? Well, I mean, but made into songs. So you'd have yeah. a song about the cake show and you'd, you know, have a The cake show. About, you know, Baz takes <laughs> I out... I really, I really don't want to see the cake show. Baz takes out the bins. Yeah. So that'd be a number. <laughs> that actually be quite good. Yeah. Strangers, strangers yeah. heckle me in the street. You know, they'd yeah. be... Good cake, bad cake. Right, yeah. <laughs> Hacky sack to the future. Like, there'd be uh, yeah. a bunch of numbers. That's right. Yeah. Even out of this, it'd be a full show. Yeah, I mean, every episode. That's what I'm saying. Every year. It's <laughs> every you do a new musical every year. It's not an episode. Oh. You would, that's a, yeah, if you kept this going, though, it'd be a zero-sum game. You'd never get ahead. Right. It'd be well, like interest on the house loan, you know. Yeah, that is a good point. Okay, so you need to do, like, a, a year of our shows into, like, one pick year the of best. musical. Yeah, pick the best. Like a topical idea. musical. Have they, done, they probably have never done a topical musical, have they? Not really, because the, there's a shelf life for topical. Right. And it's just so hard to get a musical together, to write it, to rehearse it, to put it on. That By the time you got it on, that you probably lost the years by that of your idea. And, you know... You have to turn around and write something else. Like Max Gillies does topical theatre. Oh, yeah. And I and guess like those, those Sydney show. Wharf Review or whatever, those people, yeah. they, they do kind of like a topical sort of... Oh, so did, did you work with Max Gillies yeah, like on that show? Way you? back in like yeah. 2004, we right. did this show called The Big Con together. And then he kept doing those sort of shows, but I didn't do them with him. And he did one um, um, where the Gillard government toppled Abbott the Gillard faction uh, toppled uh, Abel. Uh, rabbit, uh, to- uh, Rudd. Uh, Rudd, sorry. Yep. Um, it's hard to tell them apart uh, anymore. Fuck yeah, Rudd. Jesus, <laughs> even thinking of that name and thinking about uh, his weird head. Um, you know, they, they were like two days out from opening and that happened and it, yep. so it completely changed their show. It fucked them and they were like, we had two days to rewrite the show. So topical TV you can do because it's really fast. You write it, you get it to air, but theatre is just a shocker. Right. Well, that's the challenge then, man. Yeah. You've got to predict the future. <laughs> I think a lot of these topics are quite timeless. <laughs> I mean... They're the timeless stories that we tell each other. Was Jeff Hugel snorting blow out of Baz Luhrmann's arsehole? Oh, I mean, Skippy at the races. That's a, that's a, there's a big number as well. Like, I mean, it could be... I, I almost like the idea of that going off into a dream sequence. Yeah. Where you see him, like, you know, at the Olympics, you know, winning gold medals. Oh, and then montage, you see the, like, yeah. you know, the montage bit where he's, like, sitting on the bed eating the pizzas and, like, mm. drinking. And, and then he loses all the weight and does all the... Interview. Yeah, I mean, it's the triumph of the comeback and the... Yeah. And then he comes out of the toilets and like, excuse me, sir, can we, uh, can we check your pockets? And he'd be like, I want a lawyer. I want a lawyer. I want a lawyer. Lawyer, lawyer. The end. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, if you like this podcast, please uh, rate it on iTunes or wherever that you'd like to listen to this podcast. If you'd like any of the quotes from this podcast, uh, hashtag them Tofop quotes or Fofop quotes on uh, Tumblr and on Twitter. Um, a new episode of uh, Tofop as well with Charlie is uh, coming out immediately after this episode. Um, and I forgot to turn the proper recorders on for that one. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Eddie. Like, here's the thing. There's not actually that much technology that I've, I've got to get right. Basically, see these two red lights here? Mm. That's what we need because that, that says that these two microphones are plugged in. Right. But I also use this device to record my show, um, right. like my stand-up show. So you take and that off. it's with this other one and I take it off. And sometimes when I plug it back in, I forget to switch it back over. Oh.
I did that last episode of the TOEFOP. So Jesus. what happens is I don't notice for the whole episode and what you it's recording through here still, but the problem is that right through it we're actually stopping the noise going towards those speakers <laughs> by holding these microphones uselessly in front oh, of our mouths. Oh, no, that would be bad. Yeah. So anyway, I'm putting it up anyway because it's a podcast and it's free yeah. and, you know, whatever. Well, yeah, what do you want for your money? It's old school, mate. Like, it's old school. It's keeping it real. It's a room recording. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, if you've listened to this one, then you'll uh, know that about the next one. Uh, so you've been warned. Uh, uh, oh, I, oh, sorry, I have gigs. I have gigs around LA this week. Uh, check out my website, willanderson.com.au. I've got one uh, Sunday night here in LA. I think I've got one uh, Tuesday and Thursday night uh, next week. And uh, I, I've Montreal Jess for Laughs Festival. I'm doing the Australian shows with uh, Husey and Hilsey, uh, Felicity Ward, Joel Creasy. It's a really good lineup uh, but also i'm doing my solo show Illuminati in montreal it's the first time i've ever done uh my entire hour show there so i would love if you would come out and see that or if you know people in montreal you could send them along to that that'd be great that's cool uh it is cool that's really cool. yeah i'm into it i'm, I'm a bit nervous because it's the first time that i've oh, done it there but that'd be great it'd be nice if people come yeah that would that'll help <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all right. that, that is essential for comedy uh eddie it's been a pleasure mate thank you absolutely thanks for having me on